Hey, welcome back. We are at week two of training camp. You guys got your pads? Are we ready for gear? Are we f- ready for full practices? Go! All right, we got a couple football fans. Do we have football fans in the house here? All right, all right, about a third of you. <laughs> all right, Cardinals, yeah, 2-0. Might be the only wins we get. We gotta be, we gotta take them when we can get them. They're, they're they are looking good this year though, so, so I'm, I'm excited about that season coming up. But we are in a season of our own, and ministry has its ebb and its flow, and it has its seasons, and we are getting ready for the, the main season for the church, and that's one of the big seasons, that's the fall, and after Labor Day, things really gear up. Families and life seems to be in rhythm with school and, and work and church, and, and small groups are starting up, new ministries are launching, and the church has this great rhythm that runs uh, right from this time of the year right up to Christmas, that high day in the church year where we celebrate the birth of our Savior. And so we want to be ready for this season. And so we're paralleling what uh, the football teams are doing with training camp. And here you think, are these professional athletes and these professional coaches, they've done this their whole life. Why do they need a training camp? Why do they need a preseason? These are the best athletes at their positions and what they play. They should just be able to say, hey, get together. First Sunday, opening day, play. What would happen on these teams? <laughs> right? It'd be chaos, right? There'd be, because they've changed players and there's new teams on board and different coaches and, and they've gotten rusty. And so the training camp, the preseason time, is a time to really get ready and prepare for what's to come in the season. To get tight on the plays, to learn the playbook, to learn your positions well, to understand your teams and your special teams coaches and all those things come together to gel. And then to really say, hey, what are we here for? What are we focused on? Where are we going? And ultimately to say, we want to have a winning season. So last week we began, and I gave you my four words for the season. My four words for one community church that I as a coach believe, if we can grab these things, it's going to be amazing what God can do through us. Who remembers the first one? All right. Oh, man, how long was that? That wasn't up there when I walked up. Did you just put those up there? Oh, I was all proud of you too. I quit. I go home. How many of you knew without looking? All right, very good. Passion. We're talking about passion. And the first word here, passion, is so important because we need a church alive. And I've enjoyed hearing your singing this morning. That was a sign for me that, that you're surrendering, you're open, you're hearing what God has. But, but passion flows from a relationship with Christ. And it's the Holy Spirit moving through us that says, hey, we're not just dead kind of spiritually, just going through motions, just attending church, doing something. We're alive in our faith. And so we talked about being filled with passion. The next one. All right, cheat sheets this week, sacrifice. Sacrifice, the word that so many of us, nobody really likes, but we talked about it takes sacrifice. We have to give something up in order to get what God has for us. In order to really fully understand what what God wants to do through us, it takes sacrifice. And it takes sacrifice at the most costly things. Our time, our energy, and our resources. And if we're willing to part with some of those things and saying, God, I'm going to invest my resources in, in the kingdom. I'm going to give my time to commit to what is most important in your mission in this world. It's going to take sacrifice and we're going to see amazing things that God can do. Next comes resolve. Another way I would love to just say that is no quit. No quit. That we just say we are committed to doing what God has called us to do and we're going to keep going for it. We may get tired. We may get weary. We may need others to come around us for a time and support us, but we don't throw in the towel. What would a football team look like if they're going into halftime losing and they just kind of go, we're done? Right? 
I mean, a coach is going to go like, come on! Let's go! Let's get into this game! Like, we got to fight to the last second until the clock says zero, zero, zero. We are in this game. We're going to go. And as a church, we get tired and we serve and we do the things we're about. But Resolve says, I know what I'm here for. I know what the goal is. And I'm not going to quit. And then the last one, a fun word. <laughs> fun! Right? What's more fun, winning or losing? <laughs> right. Winning is fun. Fun isn't just about like, hee having a good time, although that's part of it. But fun is about, about doing the things God's called us to do. And fun is watching our church continue to thrive, to reach people, to watch lives change, to watch marriages restored, to see addictions healed, to see children growing in faith, young people making the right decisions and going, we get to be a part of that. That's fun. That is fun. Nobody, you know, nobody loves to be part of a church that's just like, Pfft. In German, there's a word for that. It's called dead pants. Tote hose. Nothing, you know. Tote hose. Nothing, nothing's going on. Nothing's happening there. And you go, you want a church that's, that, where you see people doing these very things. Now, last week, I gave you your first training camp assignment. Remember what it was? Live Love Day. I'm glad to say that about 40 adults and kids took me up on that challenge, and, and the rest of you are benched. All right? Actually, I need to get you off the bench. We're working, we're working on that. I told you, that's the agenda for this whole series. No, I'm not hiding. There's nothing, you know, nothing up my sleeves. My agenda is to get you off the bench and into the game. We had training camp, uh, a test um, run, and it was Live Love Day. And it was yesterday, and it was a lot of fun. And, and we were able to do all kinds of stuff to do things for people in the community. Uh, we, we were out um, handing out popsicles to strangers, right, and just saying, hey, have, have a popsicle for us. We were buying Starbucks drinks and QT like cups where we just gave them to people and said that they're paid for. We were filling out, um, we were just giving balloons away to kids at, at Fry's. And then we were giving away balloons that had Hershey's Kisses in them and, and giving them to kids. We were serving people moving. We were helping the Franks move. Some people were out there in full force helping one of our own move. And, uh, and on and on, the list goes, things that we were doing. And what was so interesting was the tone of everyone when they arrived at One Central versus when we all came back to debrief, right? <laughs> when we all came in, it was kind of like, all right, we got, we're going to do something today. We're kind of excited. There's a little bit of a nervousness there, like how are people going to respond? We don't know, you know, if people are going to receive what we have to give, and it takes some courage to step up to people, even to give them something free. People go like, what, what do you want? What, what do you want from me? I went up to the, we were, we were giving balloons out at, at Fry's, and the manager came up, and he came outside, and he had like a reinforcement guy with him, and they kind of came up and, and was like, what are you guys doing here? I said, we're just handing out free balloons to, to kids. He goes, uh, what, are, what are you selling? I'm, no, we're not, we're not selling anything. We're just, we're just giving them away. Are you having people fill anything out? No, no, we're just, we're just, we're just giving balloons. We're trying to make people happy, just, you know, a little bit of love. And he's like, you're, you're not giving anything away. You're not selling. He just kept, couldn't really believe it. And I was like, okay, okay, you can do it, right? People don't understand. So we, we have this tension. And, and as we all arrive, there's a sense of like, all right, what are we going to do? What's going to happen? We're not going to, we're not sure. When we came back just two and a half hours later, or an hour and a half, two hours later, everybody was buzzing. I met this person, and this is what they said. The first person I gave a, a balloon to, or the kids gave a balloon to, she said, hey, wait a second, I've been looking for, for a church around here. What, who are you guys with? What? And it's like just a divine encounter. We were meeting people, and, and people were sharing stories. JJ was saying that he got kicked out of Starbucks for, uh, for wanting to buy people drinks. And, uh, and then I think as he explained it, and they said, you, you guys, you're with that one church, aren't you? You guys are always doing stuff for the community. He's like, yep, that's right, that's us. And then he left and bought drinks uh, for people somewhere else. I I love that, and I love us being alive, and I see that passion. 
and, and it also took sacrifice. It took a Saturday morning. It took a Saturday morning to say, you know what, I'm not going to sleep in. I'm not going to hang out. I'm going to choose to give this time. It took sacrifice when somebody bought gas cards to give out to people and just say, here's a, here's a $5 gas card. I mean, that, that didn't come from a church budget. That came from people who are willing to sacrifice time and energy. The resolve, we, our, our game plan with our group was to go to the hospital and give balloons to kids in the hospital. And so we came up there and, and had our helium tank and the balloons. I was with Chris Baca and the kids and my wife and our girls. And right on the front door of the hospital, I've never noticed this before ever, there's a picture of a helium balloon and it's a balloon. It says, no latex balloons. <laughs> have you ever noticed that before? Right? I mean, that was our game plan. And we're like, <laughs> so we went to Fry's. So you have to have resolve. You got to keep pushing through. And of course, we had a lot of fun. I mean, we, you know, you think like with kids, right? Kids always want to do stuff for themselves. We took our kids along. We got in the van. And the first thing my daughters were saying, one of them says, raise your hand if you had fun. Right? What were they? They were giving stuff away, and I said, "Why was that fun?" Because we got to put a smile on kids' faces. We got to make them happy. My two-year-old daughter standing there, just excited to give her balloon to somebody, and you're going, "That's what it's all about." And we're giving, and we're and we're loving, and so we just saw in this little this little day that we were able to flood the community with love and good deeds and good kindness, and and even have lots of conversations with people and 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 just love without strings attached. And so that was kind of the first test of of training camp and. And just a reminder that these characteristics and these qualities are absolutely true. Now, as a church, we're constantly involved. And we're talking about serving and being a part of the mission of the church. Jesus said himself, and he said to his disciples, you will do even greater things than I have done. That's what Jesus said to his disciples. Does that even make sense? I mean, could his disciples walk on water? You know, can we walk on the Salt River? Can we go to Burger King and multiply that Happy Meal to feed 5,000? And go, no, God, I don't have that ability. I don't have that capacity to do greater things than you. But maybe what he's talking about is saying, when we all get it, and when we all get on board with the mission, it's amazing what we can do when we multiply our effort. But here's the tension. We have churches full of people. We have a lot of churches that are empty. <laughs> That's one problem. But in other words, we have churches full of people, but only a few that are really engaged in the mission of Christ. In America and in many parts of the world, the church has become a place to go and get your religion. We have this, this consumer mentality. We have this, this shopper's mentality. We have this entitlement mentality that says, where can I go to get what I need for my religious benefit? So I want to go to a place where I like the speaker. I want to go to a place where I like the musicians and the music is good. I want to go to a place where my kids are served. And I get that. I want that as well. But what happens is we stop there. And we get to a place and going, the church is a place that deals out religious goods and services and consumers participate. And then occasionally we pay a little bit in a tithe and an offering for those goods and services. This is a screwed up system. This is not at all what the church is about. This is not at all what God had in mind for his body, the church. And so there's this tension that happens in churches where there are a few who service the whole. Maybe exempt Christians who might say, you know, I'm a believer in Christ, but doing this ministry of the church, that's not for me. I appreciate others watching my kids, others teaching my children and our youth, others who come and set up, others who do these things so that I can partake of them. We do that as a gift. The few, those that do, those that serve, do that out of love and do that out of the vision so that we say we want to impact people. But there comes a point in time where every single person, let me say every single one of you sitting here, 
sitting in any church needs to grapple with what does it mean to be a follower of Christ and to say, there's this tension. We need to be together as the body of Christ. I love the example Tim gave last Sunday when he, when he finished up at the end. He talked about the basketball player that he met. You guys remember that, that little, that little story? He said, he met a basketball player or this guy that was seven feet tall, right? And he said, what do you do? And he said, I'm a basketball player, right? I mean, yeah, obviously that, that'd be a good thing to do. And he asked him, what team do you play for? You know what team he played for? He didn't have a team. Is he still a basketball player? That's what Tim asked. Are you still a basketball player if you don't have a team, if you're not, if you're not involved? And the question comes to us as a church that says, are you a part of the body of Christ simply by having accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Or are you a part of the body of Christ when you are contributing? And that's what we're going to look at today and asking that question, what does it mean to be a part of the body of Christ and to contribute? And when we're talking in terms of this, this uh, training camp idea, the idea that I have today is play your position. Play your position. Let's pray and then we'll jump into this. Heavenly Father, Thank you for the opportunity to gather. I just feel so um, already lifted up by the worship, by the, the spirit in this place of people surrendering, saying, God, here's my life, and, and do what you need. And Father, I pray you would speak into us, and, and this message is just intended to really help us to see the potential in all of us, to realize the joy that comes from being a part of your church and being on mission with you. May we all be able to say, God, we have our place, we have our part. Guide us today through your word and through this teaching, Lord. And if you are open and agree, say amen. Amen. All right. Well, there are several passages, and I I put these in the back of your worship folder, that talk about spiritual gifts and that talk about the place of people in the body. Now, again, nowhere in nowhere in in Scripture does Paul, for example, as he talks to the churches, does he talk about what you receive from from being a part of the church. But what he does talk about all the time is what you give when you're a part of a church and what is what it takes to be a part of the church. And so I want to look at this passage. I'm going to read to you just from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 and 11 are the two that I want to just pull out here real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 and 11. Verse 7 says, A spiritual gift is given to each of us as a means of helping the entire church. And then verse 11 says, It is the one and only Holy Spirit who distributes these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So what's the purpose of the spiritual gifts in verse 7? It's given to each of us as a what? Means of helping the entire church. So God gives gifts, and one of the reasons for his gifts is that they would come and they would be used in his service. So first of all, let me just say congratulations. If you're a follower of Christ, you are gifted. You should feel special right now, right? I'm gifted. If you're a follower of Christ, you are gifted. And some of you are scratching your head going, I don't know how I'm gifted. Apparently he says I'm gifted. I don't know how I'm gifted. We're going to talk about that today. But you are gifted. And in and, and Scripture right away, Paul's saying, look, and this gift is given to you for the building up of the entire church. To have a part and to have a role in that. And so we're gonna, we're gonna talk about that little, that little interplay. And so when we talk about the gifts, and there's another passage that I want to look at here in Romans chapter 12. Let's look at that one too, and then these will be our, our foundation. So the gifts are easy to remember. They're listed in two, um, chapter 12s. First Corinthians chapter 12 and Romans chapter 12 plus two other spots. But if you look in, first, if you look at Romans chapter 12 verses 5 and 6, 
It says this, and similar to what we just read in the other passage. So it is with Christ's body. We are all parts of his one body. And each of us has a different work to do. Who has a different work to do? Each of us. All of us. I mean, everyone. And, and, and what is it? That, a work to do. We have a work to do. Interesting. Each of us has a different work to do. And since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. Now, here's an interesting thing about the Cardinals. The Cardinals have sometimes made crazy decisions in, in you know, who they bring on their team and, and things, things of that nature. This year, they're bringing on a player, and here are his last year's stats. Okay? He ranked 162nd in rush yards, averaging only two yards per attempt. He only scored once all season and fumbled twice. He w- and some of you are going, okay, well, did he play the whole season? He played every game, and he wasn't injured. <laughs> all right, this is the, and, and he's going to be a starter for the Cardinals, by the way. He's going to be started. As a matter of fact, they're willing to pay him $26 million over the next three years. Who would pay that much for a starter with those kind of stats? A running back with those kind of numbers? Here's the good news. No one. Not even the Cardinals. Because those stats belong to Carson Palmer. You know who Carson Palmer is? He's the quarterback. (laughs) See, Carson Palmer is not measured by his ability to carry the ball. He's not, high, he's not recruited. He's not paid $26 million because he can carry the ball and have more than two yards per carry. He's been recruited, and he's being paid this kind of contract for his arm, his ability to read defenses, right, to be able to think in the pocket, to watch what's happening, to be quick at the speed of game, to have accuracy and strength. And so we have to understand, it's not all of us doing the same thing and just this generic, let's just serve. We're all called to serve, absolutely. Every given day, in any time, in any moment, we don't just say, I have a special gift. My spiritual gift is leadership and preaching. I don't touch chairs. Sorry. <laughs> I don't do that. Biblically, it says I don't, I don't have to. One of you obviously has the spiritual gift of setting up chairs. I mean, I think I read that somewhere. No, we all serve, and we do grunt work, and we do things that just have to get done. But when it comes down to really advancing the ball down the field, really moving the church forward, we have to lean into the special gifts that God has given to each of us. And when each of us does the thing well that we've been given, things begin to happen. If we continue reading in uh, Romans chapter 12, right after after, in verse 6 where it said, God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well, here he gives an example of a few things. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out when you have faith that God is speaking through you. And prophesy doesn't mean like you're just like foretelling the future. It means prophecy here is just talking about somebody who really feels a burden from God, a word to speak, and says it in faith and says this is a, this is a word that can really help and guide the church. And he says if that's your gift, then, then, then speak it out. Have faith that God is speaking through you. Verse 7, if your gift is that of serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, do a good job of teaching. If your gift is encouraged, to encourage others, do it. If you have money, share it generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. So he's, a, he's saying, look, you have these different gifts. This is by no means an exhaustive list. And even if you read through those four passages that I have in the back of the worship folder, that's not an exhaustive list. The gifts are as wide and diverse as God has need for in His church. And He's calling us 
to do that. And what's so great about this metaphor is that every need that the church has, God has provided already. Every need that one community church has to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish here in Santan Valley, He has given us. And it is right here among us. Can I get an amen or something for that? <laughs> right? We forget that. I forget that. And I think, God, where, where is the answer? Where are the people? Where's the resources? Where are the ones that have, you know, this ability or that ability? And the, and the, and the answer that comes back from scripture is, it's right there. It is already here for one. God's not asking us to do more than he has given us the ability to do here with those of us here. The question becomes, are we obedient to that? Are we passionate about what God is calling us to? Are we willing to sacrifice? Are we willing to have that resolve? And are we willing to say, let's do it and have a great time being about the ministry that God has called us to? So we have these spiritual gifts. I want to talk a little bit about how you discover or find out about your spiritual gifts. Now one thing is you could just go online, you can Google spiritual gifts, and you can go spiritual gifts test. And you'll find all kinds of tests. Some have 140 questions, some have 30 questions. Go ahead and take one of those. That's great. It'll be informative, it'll be interesting, but at the same time, that is not the number one way to discover your spiritual gifts. It can be a help. But the number one way to experience spiritual gifts is to start trying. Is to start trying and serving and seeing what God begins to work in your life. How does God begin to play this stuff out? And so when it comes to the church, the first thing you got to do is just say, start. you got to start somewhere. For example, how would you ever know if you had the gift of preaching, let's say, or the ability to preach, if you never once began to try to teach or speak or do something, right? We won't even know. Some gifts you have no idea. There, there have been kids over the years when I was a youth pastor that, that would say they'd never played an instrument before. And yet some of them have become some of the best musicians because we put a guitar in their hand and started saying, hey, here's some chords, start playing. And it turns out they have this amazing ability to play guitar. Sometimes you don't know what your gifts are because you haven't tried. You haven't tried to discover them. See, the gifts are always discovered in community. And, and the gifts are always intended for community. Imagine a quarterback with all his skills, with all his gifts in the NFL, if he doesn't have receivers. Or what good is his being a quarterback when he's at home mowing the yard, right? Or just, right? His gifts of what he has are best lived out when he's on the team. When he has it and it pairs up with other people working together for that greater good. And so the idea is you have to discover your gifts in community. You can't just go into your closet at home and start praying, God, show me my spiritual gifts. Show me my spiritual gifts. Talking to other people. What are my spiritual gifts? You should have that conversation with other people once you've begun to start, you, you've begun to start serving. And you're beginning to be involved and other people begin to see what some of those gifts are. So you have to start with experimentation, just saying, God, what, what is it in me? And with spiritual gifts, let me just say a word here too, the difference between spiritual gifts and abilities. I think they're related. I think having gift, skills and abilities, things that you're good at, I think are often related to spiritual gifts. Not always, but often they are because what? God has made you. He's created you. If you're pretty handy at something, if you're the kind of person that can always fix things, or if you're somebody who's very logical, who can break down problems and, and develop strategy in your work world and the rest of your life, that's probably an indication of how God has wired you and some gifts and some skills that you have. But what's so great about spiritual gifts? is there's a supernatural quality to them. And when we're serving out of our spiritual gifts, it's not just the result of what we did. Like I put, you know, you know, 
100% energy in and I got 100% energy out. With spiritual gifts, I put whatever energy in that I have and somehow God begins to multiply that. God begins to change that. For, For example, think about, I've been in situations like this too when you think about worship where you may have somebody who's incredibly talented in, in keyboard or guitar or vocally who's leading worship and yet cannot lead a congregation into a, a worshipful experience. They may have all the skill, all the talent, everything that kind of go, wow, that's so amazing. But yet you can leave going, I don't know, I just didn't feel like we were brought into the presence of God in worship. And yet you may be in places, and I've been in places in other parts of the world or even here in, in the States where somebody isn't the off the chart musician or singer, but there's something about their spirit. There's something about the way that God has just gifted them in their spirit that when they begin to lead a congregation in worship, you feel like, I've encountered God in worship. That's spiritual gifting. I mean, there are times that I feel like in my own life, I, you know, I'll preach a message, I'll do the best I can, and then somebody comes up to me and goes, well, thanks, God, God really spoke to me and, and he told me this and that. And I'm thinking, I, I never even said that. I mean, that never came out of my mouth. I don't even remember talking about that. And, and sometimes I just wonder how God begins to use us by just being obedient to whatever God has placed before you and watching what he can do through that. You think about somebody who's, who's serving. And you kind of think, well, what's the spiritual gift of serving? We're all called to serve. Yes, we are. But there are some people who just have this knack of, of helping, of serving. And when they're a part of a group that serves, you get this sense that God's doing something else there. You can sense it in their spirit. There's just a peace about them. There's a willingness to help. There's a humbleness. The team is energized. People feel built up through that. And it's just the faithfulness of somebody who's doing their task well. Setting up chairs, running cables, cleaning things up, you know, helping behind the scenes. But when that spirit is there, and they're serving out of that, it's amazing what God can do. And so our gifts need to be tried out. You need to begin to start getting involved. And here's the thing. The church benefits, absolutely. The church is the body of Christ. The mission of God is accomplished. But you benefit. Here's the thing that we often miss. It sounds like we're just asking something from you. This is something for you. What I've seen over years and years and years and years of ministry, I grew up in the church, I was a pastor's kid, I've never not been in a church, and then I was a pastor, so I'm kind of, you know, maybe jaded in that direction, I've been around it too much. But what I've seen for years and years and years is those that are just passive observers in the church, after a while, they just, they stall. You stall spiritually. You get to a point where you stall, and eventually, what happens to an airplane that stalls? It crashes. It's not sustainable. But those that take a step out and say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give back. I'm going to lean in. I'm going to use my gifts. I'm going to discover what it is. The moment you begin serving in the church, your relationship to God and the way you feel about your church dramatically changes. I see it over and over and over and over again. Because all of a sudden, you are a part of the body of Christ. It's a spiritual thing. It's not just a physical thing like, now I'm part of the team. The body of Christ, when Jesus left, he said, the church is the body of Christ. Literally, hands, feet, eyes, mouth, tongue. We are the presence of Jesus Christ in this world. And the way we are a part of that presence of Christ is through using our gifts and through saying, I have a part in this. And when you have a part in it, you start feeling very differently about what goes on here. You engage more in worship. You care more about the people around you. You get to know more people. You start feeling a sense of of, um, investment. You start feeling like you have a part of that. When somebody's being baptized, you're going, I had a part, in, a part in that. I put the sign out on the side of the street that somebody pointed that pointed them 
to the church. Or maybe you're the host that says, I welcomed that person on that first Sunday. And the way that I greeted them, the way I interacted with them, they felt like this was a home for them. And that might be a small part in the bigger scheme of all these things, but it was my part, and it had a part in that. I was the one who set up that chair that that person sat in. Somebody told me this last week, the reason they're serving in children's ministry isn't just because they love kids so much, but because they understand the importance of allowing their parents to be in here undistracted to be able to focus in on the gospel of Christ. You have a part in doing something here when you serve out of those pieces. Yes, it's just a microphone. It's just a a cable. But by somebody setting this stuff up, by running the cables, by creating an opportunity for us to communicate, the word of God is being spoken. And you have a part in that. And you can go through every single area of ministry in our church that if you are involved, you have a part in it. And when we have a part of the mission of Christ, man, that feels wonderful. That feels awesome. And God begins to move the church. And it's like an engine that's just churning. We start going and we start feeling that momentum. And it takes people to say, yes, I want to step into that role. And I have no idea where I am in my notes, by the way. I just... uh I just think I just gave you everything I had all at once, and so, I don't know, we'll just kind of keep going here. <laughs> I'm just, I'm passionate about it, and I want to see you coming to life. And I've seen the reverse happen too. People that, that once served, they once had the joy in that, but they got burned out, and they got, they got overcommitted, or maybe they lost their focus. And some just say, I just want to step back for a while. And there are seasons where we push harder and times where life forces us to kind of take a little bit of a step back, but don't ever step out. Step back, but do not step out. See, what, what one of the things that just that fires me up is when I talk about, you're not volunteers. We don't volunteer to follow Christ. Do you know that? Volunteers are what you do for your school, what you do at, at work, what you do for community organizations. A very valuable thing. I volunteer in the community for different things. I do that too. But when we are followers of Christ, we are servants of Jesus Christ. We don't just have a time clock that says, I got an hour a week to give. It says, I am here, Lord, take me. You have all of me. I, I lay me down. <laughs> what we sang to start the service, saying, God, use me how you need. Yes, of course, we have our jobs, we have our families, and, and you may not be able to give full-time commitment, but it's, it's an attitude. It's a mental attitude, it's a spiritual attitude, a heart attitude that says, if there is a need, I will try to fill it. I will serve God wherever you need me. I'm going to try to serve out of my areas of giftedness, but if there's a need, I'm willing to step in and to make it happen. And so we, we, we have this view of, of, it's not just I've signed up to do something and I'm volunteering, but I'm a servant. And, and Paul even goes so far as to say, I'm a slave. That word has kind of negative connotations, right? And it feels kind of uncomfortable. But what he's saying is, look, we're either going to be slaves to the world, slaves to sin, slaves to our job, slaves to the thing that we're pursuing, monetary and financial gain and status and position and power. We're slaves to that pursuit. He's saying, I am a slave of Christ. I'm going to have a choice. My freedom comes in choosing who I'm going to be a slave to. Did you catch that? My freedom comes in choosing who I'm going to be a slave to. Because eventually something's going to get a hold of us. And we say, Christ I want to be about this mission, Jesus, that you've called us to. You've saved me. You've given me new life. I want to be about other people experiencing that. And so we say, I want to be a part of that, and we get involved. On this, uh, in, on your insert, go ahead and take that out for a second. I put two in each of the worship folders, and we had some folks that put two in each one so that if you're here as a couple or with the others, um, you can both uh, each have one. 
here is really an example of some things. When I, when I look on this front, the front side of this page, it says, what describes you best? See, sometimes I think we have this idea that when we serve God, it has to be a drudgery or it has to be something very difficult or painful or, or you know, God's calling us to Africa or whatever, right? When we serve, begin with what gives you joy. Yes, there are needs to fill, but start by looking through some of these things. This is how God has made you. This is how God has wired you. And this becomes a first clue in the direction of maybe how God wants to use you for his church, to build up the church and to really be a part of that ministry. And so I want to, I would love every one of you here to go through this list sometime even this morning or after church and just um, find the three or four things. You know, I know some of you are so multi-talented you could check all of these off. But maybe just identify just three or four that maybe are, are really the, the primary pieces that really bring you joy, bring you pleasure, things that you're good at. And then once you've done that, you flip it over on the back and there's a brief description about the five main ministry teams that we have here at the church. And what we're trying to find out from all of us here is how can you do what you love and what you're good at in a place of ministry, in an area of ministry that you're passionate about, that you think um, is something that you care about. And when we find that mix, man, it's amazing what happens. You feel like you're a part of something. You're using your gifts. That ministry is moving forward. The other people on that team are encouraged. And the whole church begins to crank that engine over and over and over. And we watch what God begins to do as we, as we move out into the community. We become truly an unstoppable force. But we need you to play your position. I mean, I, I wasn't a standout soccer player when I was in, in high school. I, I was like a second string, you know, left winger. And uh, I hated sitting the bench. <laughs> it's not fun. I mean, I don't know. I don't know any athlete. Well, okay, I do know some. Sometimes when you're coaching like little kids, like take me out, coach. I just I'm tired. I want to sit down. And you're going, loser, kid. Sorry. <laughs> Hope it's not your kid. Um, but really, who does that? I mean, it's just like you're lazy. You're I, I don't know. You're in the wrong sport if you're feeling that way, right? Because if you're in the right place, put me in, coach. <laughs> Come on, put me in. An athlete, somebody who wants to be in the game, who understands the importance, who uses their gift, says, I want to play. And sometimes, I'll just tell you, when you're, when we're, as leaders in the church, sometimes it feels like we're, we're begging people, followers of Christ, to be a part of the mission of Christ. It shouldn't be that hard. We should be saying, oh, hold, hold on, I'll put you in a minute. Sorry, we're full this Sunday. We're fully staffed. We've got every position filled back there on the soundboard. But I've got another opening for you in a couple of weeks where we can get you in. Okay, put me down. I want that one. How come that doesn't happen in the church? I honestly, I honestly don't know. Why, why does that not happen in the church? <laughs> I'm confounded. We ought to be excited saying, I want to be part of that. I want to be a part of what's going on. You mean, you mean there's, there's openings in the children's area to serve kids? Put me down for that. I got two, I got the first two Sundays right here. Count me in. Because those kids are important. The message we teach is important. Their parents being able to be in here is important. And you know who grows the most when they're teaching kids? The teacher! So you're not missing out on something. You're growing because if you're actually preparing before the Sunday morning, you're growing. You're reading, yes, even teaching a children's story. I present to you maybe a fraction of the stuff that I prepare on any given week. So all week long I'm reading and I'm seeing things and I'm studying and it's to, I get to grow from that. You get to grow as a teacher, as somebody who serves to contribute. Let's be a part of that. It's amazing what God's going to do in your heart and in your life and what he's going to go and do through us in the church. And we are so grateful for the many, many, many of you that are serving. And so I would just say two things. If you are not serving, why not? 
Why not? You give your time, you give your energy to so many different things. I know our schedules are full. I'm going to point back to sacrifice. But why not? Why not be a part of it? Why not step out and say, all right, I don't even know where, but just put me in somewhere. Talk to me. Let's give us some information here and we'll get back to you. If you've been serving in the church and and you've been in in, in different capacities, you kind of say, maybe it's my time to step up. I want to be a point person. I think I'm ready to take on another area of leadership. Or maybe there's something in the church that's not even being done. And you say, I want to start that. Put me in, coach. I want to play. I want to be in the game. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, man, I can just get so excited when I see um, the church at its best. And I get, it was just great even yesterday to see glimpses of that as we serve the community and see the joy on kids' faces and those that serve just experiencing what it means to, it feels like to be on the edge serving for you. And Father, I am just so grateful to be a part of um, a church where for years now, God, every single Sunday, people have come hours early, many hours early, to unload a trailer, to set up chairs, to put out Bibles, to put up banners, to stand their post as they greet and as they prepared kids' lessons and get classrooms ready and that stay after God. I'm just so thankful for the sacrifice and the heart that makes this church possible. Those that commit throughout the week, whether it's for a band practice or leading a small group or loving our teenagers and and guiding them, planning events for the community, retreats, and on and on, God. It's it's only through the heart of those that, that really get the mission. And Father, I pray that as a church we would all get that mission and that there's not a single person who's left on the sidelines who's left on the bench that we can all get in the game. And uh, Father, I know you're setting us up for an amazing winning season. And winning means lives changed, and it means our life changed. So Father, give us the boldness, the courage, help us to make the sacrifice necessary to be a part of your great mission. We love you, Lord. Amen.